Welcome back to Real Talk Torah, courtesy of the database with Rabbi Shua Eisenberg, where it is currently Lil Purim at the moment of this recording. And for today's issue and Shear, we're going to be discussing what you see in the title, how to bring our kids to the level of Adaloyada without even an ounce of wine. So what exactly am I talking about? So as we'll see, this particular Shear is not really just about our children, though that is a per- an important aspect of it, the Chinuch aspect of how we raise our children, or how we are mechanic our children, whether or not we actually have children, whether or not we are in chinuch ourselves, we are all in a certain sense mechanchim responsible for our children. But as we are going to see, this year is about a whole lot more than just our children, um, though that will be a starting point when we talk about one particular aspect of the Megillah, as we have been accustomed to reading it every single year. And we'll talk about that as well as the Chiyov that I allude to in the title, which is what we find in the Gemara in Megillah from Rava, that a person has an obligation to become intoxicated on Purim until he does not know the difference, as the Gemara says, between the curse of Haman and the blessing of Mordechai. So what exactly does that mean? Certainly much ink has been spilled in an attempt to explain the Skamara, and of course to explain the Mechaber who quotes the Skamara, the Shulchan Aruch, who says that we indeed are supposed to drink to this extent. And there are various opinions within the post-skim on the Shulchan Aruch, and of course the Ramah, different ways of fulfilling Adloyada. How much should a person drink? Is that a lot? Is that a little? Is it more? Is it less? And there are many different permutations and variations of the, just the simple understanding of what it means to, to not know the difference between Arahaman and Baruch Mordechai. There's a lot, obviously, in that discussion. And one question I think is worth our, worth our pondering, especially as we are going into Purim, is why exactly the barometer of how much you're supposed to drink, um, why that barometer is being framed in terms of the difference between Arahaman and Baruch Mordechai? that Haman should be cursed and that Mordechai should be blessed. It's an interesting chiyav in its own right. right. If you want to say that, oh, you know, there's a mitzvah of drinking wine because all the miracles of Purim happen through wine, and okay, so you say you got to drink through, you know, drink a little bit of wine and get either a little bit of tipsy or get very drunk or, you know, whatever, whatever level you're going to say, there, 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 have to be, there has to be many, many different ways you could have phrased it. So it is interesting that we chose... Yes, reasonably so, to incorporate um, the two of the most prominent characters in the Megillah for this particular um, measuring stick for drinking wine. But it is interesting that we do that at all. Like, why, why do we do that? Is it, just, is it just a connection to the story? Is it just thematically, promo- uh, thematically ap- appropriate? So why exactly are we doing that? So before we get to where our children come into all of this, so what I want to point out is that this chiv of being mishtaker, um, being, being drunk on Purim, and again, so this, this particular chiv, as we are referring to it, so what's fascinating about it is that even though we make it seem like and uh, there are opinions, certainly there are opinions that, that suggest this, 
that you're supposed to get so, so drunk that you barely know the difference between Haman and Mordechai. Now, if we're talking about just that, the difference between Haman and Mordechai, the two individuals, so, yeah, we're talking about a really, like, high level, a profound level of drunkenness. But if we look at the Pashup shot of the Gemara, it doesn't really say not knowing the difference between Haman and Mordechai, right? It says knowing the difference between Aru Haman and Baruch Mordechai. The blessing of Haman and, and, sorry, I'm already there, right? The curse of Haman and the blessing of Mordechai. Right, so that's, that, that's what we're not supposed to know the difference between. Now, the reason I point this out is not just for the semantics, but I think it, it does demonstrate a little bit how maybe not as extreme the Chiyav really is. And we're not talking about a profound level of drunkenness necessarily if all we're trying to not differentiate between is Arahaman and Baruch Mordechai. Why is that? Well, if you think about it, literally the cursing of Haman, saying Ar Haman, that boo, Haman, I don't like you and you should be cursed, versus saying Baruch Mordechai, blessed are you Mordechai, we're so proud of you and we love you, and we're, we're happy about any good thing that happens to Mordechai. So this, the, the, this difference between the two, in and of itself, is very subtle. I would I would say that the line between the curse of Haman and the blessing of Mordechai is a very thin one. So thin that even when we are adults and even when we are sober, it's a little bit difficult to differentiate. Now you could say, well, listen, if you look closely, you can. There is a subtle difference, right? Even though the blessing of, of Mordechai is an obvious positive, right? We, it's a good thing. We love Mordechai and we want him to be blessed. So a positive thing happening to a positive person that's a, that's, a, that's a plus. And then we have the curse of Haman, a negative thing happening to the villain, to the enemy of the Megillah. So that is also really a plus, right? Any bad thing that happens to a bad person and any good thing that happens to a good person, so those things are, are I would say, they're more or less equal. Now, you might say that they are really less equal because... We can differentiate between the subtlety of positive to the good person versus negative to the bad person, right? There, there is a subtle difference. But at the end of the day, is there really that much of a difference? They're both good things that are happening for us, right? So if that's true, maybe how much you have to drink as an adult who's trying to fulfill the chiyuv maybe isn't that much because maybe at the end of it you see we could see those two things as already overlapping as already being interwoven and blended together and because of that it's, it ends up being not that much that you'd have to drink now again I'm, uh, I think it's important that I mention that I'm not really trying to weigh in on a machlok as a poskim but I think it's important that we we just we just talk this out at least uh, at least trying to get a pashup shot read of the gemara. And the reason I do this is that even though I'm making it seem like the two are very close to each other, the blessing of Mordechai and the curse of Haman, right? Because we, we could look at them as being super, super close and how much do you have to drink till you get there? But I want to now jump to the other extreme and say that maybe this is actually a really hard thing to do that it's actually a hard thing for us to really see those two as being one and the same. That 
we can look at the curse of Haman on the one hand, look at the blessing of Mordechai on the other hand, and have a hard time bridging the gap between them. Why is that? And here's where we get to our children. Right? There are two, I would say, famous minhagim when it comes to reading the Megillah. And it has to do with the interactive aspects of the Megillah, that which we know from when we were children, that which our children know very well. The most famous thing that we do during the reading of Megillah is making noise and shouting boo when we hear the name of Haman. Right? We shake our groggers or our rashanim, our noisemakers, and we do that as a way of cursing out and, and trying to blot out Haman as the villain of the story. And if you think about it, it's kind of whimsical. It's very, uh, it's very silly. As kids, we, we enjoy it and we laugh it and we make jokes about it. And it's, it's, it's strange because we're talking about a genocidal anti-Semite, a really despicable, miserable human being, an arrogant man who is self-absorbed, self-obsessed, and over one incident he wanted to kill the entire Jewish nation. We're talking about a really terrible person. Right, like we, we we don't make jokes about Hitler, and maybe some people do make jokes, but really, you really shouldn't because of how terrible these individuals were. Now, there is that aspect of the Megillah. He's the famous one, right, or perhaps the infamous one, the one that we love to hate. But the other famous, but I would say less famous, minhag during Megillah is reading certain psukim out loud, namely the psukim about Mordechai. In, in Parak Bays, we meet him for the first time. And we, we introduce Mordechai the first time we meet him, and we're all announcing his name. And then, at the end of the Megillah in Parak Ches, and Mordechai goes out from in front of the king and he's wearing all these beautiful clothes. He's bedecked in the most gorgeous royal garments and all of the city of Shushan, there is rescue and there is joy and jubilation and happiness. And... The question is, why do, we, why do we do this? Why do we announce these psukim about Mordechai? And if you think about it also, one of the highlights of the, the Megillah, this is the one that the king wants to honor, and of course we're describing Mordechai. Why do, why, why do we have all this fanfare for Mordechai? So if you actually look up the halacha, the levush brings down that the whole purpose of doing this, he says, to be mechanich our children. Interesting. We're mechanich our children. Now, I don't, know if the, I don't know if the Levush says this or any of the Mepharshim say this in connection to booing Haman, but certainly that, is, that, that comes from the child in us. That's what you learn from a kid. If there's one thing you know about Purim when you're your kid, it's, it's shouting boo when we get to Haman. And then cheering from Mordechai, apparently that as well is something that we do in, in order to be mechanich our children. We're trying to educate our kids. And again, very, very interesting because we don't really have this with other holidays. We have chinuch certainly on other holidays, like on Pesach. Everything um, at the Seder is we got to Levincha to get the children to ask, to get the children engaged. 
But we don't shout boo when we say the name of Paro, and we don't cheer when we say the name of Moshe Rabbeinu. It seems that we really only have this when it comes to Haman and Mordechai. And it does perhaps, should perhaps pique our interest in at least addressing the question of why it is that we pay so much attention to the characters, Haman, Mordechai. And there's, a, there's a whole story going on, and we can appreciate the salvation of Hashem, the Yeshua's Hashem, right? And we do, with al Hanisim and the Persimei Nisa that we do by reading the Megillah altogether. But we spend a lot of time focusing on characters, on people in the Megillah. And I want to hopefully, in the next few minutes, address why that might be. So I think, going back to what I was saying a little bit earlier, that when we talk about reaching the level of Adelo Yada, the difference between cursed is Haman and blessed is Mordechai, you can look at those things as being very similar already in and of themselves. But I do think that in the real world, in our own lives, and certainly the way we relate to our children, I think there is an aspect of there being an unfortunate gap between the two. And on Purim, we're supposed to do a little bit of work to bridge that gap. What is the nature of this gap? So let, let, let me put it in, in a language that we as adults can all understand. And I would say it like this. If you think about the two, booing Haman and, and cheering Mordechai, which one does everyone know about? And which one did we perhaps only learn tonight the whole reason for it? Right? The, the thing that we all know from when we were young is booing Haman. As kids, we all know to boo Haman. That's the thing that we have a lot of fun with. But again, as kids, maybe that's how we relate to it. But as adults, we're able to appreciate it on a different level and we think about just how terrible he was. And we're able to do that just because of what we see around us. And in life, how easy is it to call out evil when we see it? To call out anti-Semitic hate when we see it? Acts of anti-Semitism, terrorism, and genocidal ideation. We're able to see those things. In fact, we see it so clearly, sometimes we see too much of it that we're able to point at every single one of our political opponents and say, ah, you are Hitler uh, incarnate, right? Or, you know, every, all my political opponents are Hitler. So in another way, we could say, yes, that's the evil, that's the Yitzhahara, that's Amalek, that's Haman. And we're able to, we're, we're able to, uh, to identify that our, our antenna is up for that, even if sometimes we over-attribute things. Um, to, to, to that. But we, we do that easily. It's very easy for us to point out the negative in bad people. But the question is, do we boo the Hamans in our life and in our story of the Megillah? Do we, so when we boo them, and as loudly as we do, so the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we as equally loudly cheer for Mordechai? And we only have a couple of opportunities in the Megillah to do that. But I think, not in terms of our nihugim, in terms of our minhug of how we read the Megillah, but in our own actual lives, how much do we cheer Mordechai in comparison to the amount that we boo Haman? And this, I think, is the question that 
is relevant not only to us, but to our kids as well. And the Levush once again tells us, the post can tell us, that we announce and share Mordechai to be mechanech, our children. What is the nature of the chinuch lesson that we are trying to teach to our children when we cheer Mordechai? Why, for our children's chinuch, is it so important that we cheer Mordechai? And I think the answer is that it's not always so intuitive to do so. In fact, I think there is a, a hava amina that someone might have, and I'm not saying that it's a reasonable hava amina, but I think it's reasonable enough that it can happen, that we have to be aware of it, that you can look at Mordechai on the one hand as, yes, the hero of the story, the one who got Klai Yisrael to do teshuva and daven and fast, and the one who led all the children, and the one who, who gave the perfect guidance to Esther and Malka in terms of poskening her Shilos and giving her instruction on how to deal with, with Achashverosh. And this is absolutely all 100% true. But how many people might look at the same Mordechai and say that, yes, although the hero, but you are also the instigator? Because after all, would this all have happened if Mordechai would have just listened to what all the other subjects were telling him? And that is to just bow to Haman. Now, obviously, if, if, if we're talking about a Shaila of Avodah Zarah, so there is nothing to talk about. Right? If we go according to the opinion in the Gemara that says that, that, that Haman was wearing an idol, or that Haman perhaps saw himself as an Avodah Zarah, and Mordechai is a Yehudi, and Yehudi means to denounce Avodah Zarah. And of course, there's nothing to talk about. But if we go with a Pashup Shad approach, or you know, an approach that, that the bowing to Haman was similar to the bowing of the Tselem of Nebuchadnezzar, that it was just done out of his honor, out of you know, as a person of royalty, you're supposed to bow. And Mordechai is just making a decision not to. How many people at the time do you think might have said, why is Mordechai doing this? Does this rabbi know what he's doing? Does he know what he's talking about? Does he, is he making the right decision? Isn't he causing Eva friction, hatred towards the Jews? Isn't he causing a quote-unquote chilol Hashem? This is a chilol Hashem. You're, you're going to cause even more anti-Semitism, Mordechai, by, by what you're doing. You're, you're going to solve the problems? You're, you're creating the problems. Yeah, it's a good thing that he picked up the scraps after because he was the one that caused all of this to begin with a person might say. And often the same people that are able to call out anti-Semitism, to call out evil, might also be the same people that would say, the rabbi doesn't know what he's talking about. They might not have reverence for the Rav, the Gedole Hador, the Gedole Torah, the poskim of the times. And in those times it was Mordechai. And yet at the very end of the Megillah, it's evident that not even everyone was behind him, right? He was accepted by most of his brethren. Most of the whole Purim story were cheering Mordechai, and yet only most of his brethren approved of him. And the Gemara talks about what this line means, but Pashtus, you're looking at the hero of the entire story, and not even everyone can get behind him. And how relevant, how relevant is that? We have a gadol, the undisputed gadol in Torah. And for some reason, not every single Jew can get behind him. There's still, it's, it's only a rove. 
How can that be? Where, where, where are we failing? And the answer might be, it could be the generation above us, it could be our own generation, but the chinuch, the chinuch of cheering Mordechai to realize that no, he is the hero of the story. He is making a decision based on Das Torah that he knows what he's talking about. And Mordechai perhaps realizing what it says in the Gemara that the only reason for Haman's decree against us was because we were Nene Meosa Sudaf Meosa Arasha, that we ate from and had, and had Hana from the Suda of Achashverosh. For bowing to images like Nebuchadnezzar's image, different opinions in the Gemara. That just like Revach Vahatsala can come from anywhere, Mordechai realized that if Klai Israel is worthy of destruction, that'll also come from anywhere. And of course, the, the ring of Ahasuerus that was removed and put onto Haman was uh, something that would accomplish more than common Nevi'im were able to accomplish in terms of getting Kalashal to do tshuva. And to think that we would not have had all of that, at least according to the Hashtadlis, the Teba, if not for Mordechai not bowing. So Mordechai seems to know a little bit more he seems to have a little bit of, of an edge, a little bit of, of, of foresight in terms of what would be on the one hand. And yes, perhaps just a simple understanding of what is my chiyav right now. If my chiyav is to not bow, then I'm not going to bow. And maybe there could have been several different ways that our annihilation, chas v'shalom lo'olenu, could have come about. And luckily for us, we were able to, it was able to happen was able to be triggered through a Kiddush Hashem by Mordechai and that we are able to respond properly to follow Mordechai through that journey. Mordechai sticks to his guns. He never once turns back on his decision, but he does round up Klal Yisrael to daven and fast and to do teshuva and to create that Hatzalah that we needed. But the question is once again, do we cheer Mordechai? Do we cheer the Gedolei Yisrael? When we're mechanech our children, do we teach our children to revere Talmidei Chachamim? That could mean by having pictures of the Gedolim in your house, by showing your child picture books and saying these are our, our role models. Or do we just point out evil? Do we just talk about negative things? If we're, if we're probably being mechanech our children, then the blessing of Mordechai and the curse of Haman, there should be very little space in between the two. It's not just that we talk about the negative, but we promote and are excited about the positive. Right? We, we are mechanich our children by showing them what we are excited about, who we are excited about. Perhaps I should say whom, whom we are excited about. What makes us cheer? What, what, what do we show reverence for? Do we just complain about bad people? Or do we look for the good in our gedolim to be inspired by them and to know which way we should go in our lives? That's the question that I think we have to address when we are reading the Megillah, when we are thinking about it, when we are teaching it to our children, when our children are learning it. And when we think about the stories where you can look at Mordechai in one of two ways, if you choose to, look at him and say, oh, look, that, 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 that extreme, ultra-Orthodox, Haredi uh, rabbi who is, you know, who is just a fanatic. Or no, maybe he was just someone who was following 
um, his understanding of Ratzon Hashem, and as the leading postic of the time, the understanding of what is Ratzon Hashem. Right, but that's, uh, I, think, I think that's our challenge. And we, we, we can do that. We can get there. Yes, maybe as adults with a little bit of wine, but as mechanchim, with a little bit of inspiration, a little bit of direction, a little bit of communication to our children and to ourselves, really, to ourselves, about our relationship to Torah and Das Torah and the Gedolei Israel and the Poskim and our Abonim, to have a certain attitude, a certain hashkafa that says, wow, like, this is the one, Ishihudi. And yes, yes, we, we, should, we should boo the Hamans. But if we're doing everything correctly, the line between doing a mitzvah, following Torah, and being excited about that is the same part of us that says, boo, Haman, I hate that, that's disgusting. Right? When we spoke about this last week as well, that, oh, have Hashem sinura, that if you love Hashem, then, you, then it's not possible that you don't hate something. You've got to hate evil. So that which comes out in your hatred of Haman and all that is evil, that which passionately comes out when we think about booing Haman, so it has to come out just as loudly in the positive, in our love and reverence for that which is good, for the fulfillment and performance of mitzvos, for Talmud Torah, for Amunas Chachamim. It has to come out at the same volume when we say Ishi Hudi, Umar and if we get there, I think we can fulfill in the most pristine way the chiv of of being And if we do that as well, we will be zocha to future Yeshuos, the ultimate Yeshua, the form of the Gulab Meir Menu. Now, as always, if you enjoy sharing like this and others in the podcast, you want to partner up with us for the sponsorship. If you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, or you want to join the database podcast WhatsApp group, for where we find links to every uploaded shear, or um, descriptions and links for shearim in the archives, which I decided to stream, or if you want to receive updates for any upcoming shearim, then all you have to do is reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. It's the data than base b e i s at gmail.com. But until next time, I want to wish you. A good and frail and poem, Ichag Purim Sameach. Thank you for joining us here at the database.